Quick Rants, episode 74, The Shared Delusion. The philosopher Thomas Hobbes theorized that humanity chose to form civilized society to avoid violent death. His belief was that the natural state of man was an undesirable one where there is no place for industry because the fruit thereof is uncertain and consequently no culture of the earth, no navigation, no use of the commodities that may be imported by sea, no commodious building, no instruments of moving and removing. Such things as require much force, no knowledge of the face of the earth, no account of time, no arts, no letters, no society, and which is worst of all, continual fear and the danger of violent death, and the life of man, solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. So to avoid such a brutal existence, in Hobbes's theory, mankind entered into an unspoken social contract, giving up certain freedoms and agreeing to be governed so that society could be ordered and a chance for a long, peaceful, productive, and happy life existed. To a large extent, Hobbes is undeniably correct. In order for humans to prosper and for a society to be prosperous, rule and order is essential. The rest of the experiment in governance comes with balancing rule and order versus personal freedom. But whether society is structured and organized as a democracy, a republic, an empire, or a kingdom, whether the economic structure is capitalist, socialist, communist, or barter, human history has shown again and again that our societies achieve their highest level of prosperity under good government that everyone is buying into. But is it all a shared delusion? Yes. Society is held together under the shared delusion that the forms of government and social order will be maintained and obeyed. Much like vaccinations, it doesn't take many not buying into the shared delusions that form our society or any society to shatter them. Take money. It's the most obvious example. Any form of currency that you wish, choose any form of currency that you wish, the US dollar, the euro, gold, silver, it doesn't matter because they all only have value because we as a society believe that they do. We have all entered into a social contract unofficially and unconsciously to accept a chosen currency as payment for goods, services, and labor. The currency itself has no value. It isn't food. It isn't worth anything as fuel. It doesn't clothe or shelter you. But yet we will trade that currency for things that have an intrinsic value. Most societies at some point independently make this leap because it is just easier to trade a unit of currency for an egg than to figure out how many fucking pairs of shoes the cobbler will have to give the farmer for six dozen eggs over a fixed period of time. We, we, us today, are born to a cash system, so it seems natural to us. But it probably didn't at first, and it took everyone at some point 
agreeing to buy into that system. The modern day example is Bitcoin. Bitcoin is backed by no government or bank, and there are people who are still suspicious of it. But enough people have bought into it and created this shared delusion that this imaginary currency that exists only in the digital world has value. And because they bought into that, Bitcoin has tremendous value. But it only has that value as long as enough people believe that it does. What happens when we stop believing it? We're still. What happens if one very powerful leader stops believing in the very rules that hold an entire society together? Stop believing in the rules that make that society's foundation? Or at least stops believing that they apply to him? As unthinkable as that question is in this day and age, in the United States, we potentially may face that question and find out the answer to that question in November. On Sunday, July 19th, Fox News aired an interview that Mike Wallace conducted with President Trump. The contents of that interview, well, it was a disjointed series of confusion and in some cases outright falsehoods. But during this stream of gibberish, 45 truly terrified me. Terrified me more with this answer than in anything that he has done in his three and a half years as the leader of this country. Mike Wallace asked him, but can you, can you give a direct answer? Will you accept the election? 45 responded to this very simple question. 45 said, I have to see. Look, you, I have to see. No, I'm not going to just say yes. I'm not going to say no. And I didn't last time either. There is only one correct answer to the question, will you accept the results of a legal election? And that answer is an unqualified yes. If by some reason that Donald Trump and his campaign happened to feel that there was significant election fraud, then his option is to use the court system between election day and inauguration day to legally challenge it. But once that election is determined legal, certified, and upheld in our court system, he must accept it. He doesn't have another option. And that's why the answer in that moment had to be yes. And more importantly, even if Donald Trump wanted to expound upon why he might not accept it, it had to be yes because you have to preserve the shared delusion that the Constitution and our forms of government have some intrinsic value. This, more than anything else, is what terrifies me, has always terrified me, and should terrify all Americans about Donald Trump. He has set about, as a goal, to shatter the American social contract. Every president ever has accepted the will of the electorate and peacefully transferred power to the next person, no matter how bitter that campaign might have been. Once it was legally certified and the options to appeal that election or recount were, were exhausted, the results were accepted. No general has ever contemplated a military takeover or putsch of the U.S. government. The closest we probably ever got to that moment was with General George McClellan during the Civil War, 
who had a large army in the field that was personally loyal to him and a general staff that was encouraging him to march on Washington. He didn't. Because he knew that what he was fighting for anyway ceased to exist should he have done that. And that the delusion that the civilian government controls the military and the military is subservient to the civilian government must be maintained. That is a shared delusion, mind you. But we maintain that shared delusion that the military is subservient to the civilian government. Because if at any point that it wanted to, the military could march in and kick Congress and the, and the administration and the entire bureaucracy of Washington, D.C. to the curb and say, we're running things. But they don't. And they don't because maybe they're afraid to shatter the delusion. Maybe they're afraid that the military won't follow them. Or maybe they just do it because it is ingrained in their head that they must obey Washington. And that's why maintaining this shared delusion, this social contract, whatever you want to call it, is of tantamount, paramount importance in this country. The peaceful transition of power and the supremacy of the civilian government over the military has existed as it has because we all share a delusion that the Constitution has intrinsic powers to compel leaders to be bound by it. The Constitution and the Bill of Rights are wonderful documents that have created one of the greatest republics humanity has ever seen. But those documents and the government it outlines are only as good as the women and men who uphold those documents. The Constitution cannot uphold itself. It is only protected and empowered by those who vouchsafe its authority. Donald Trump has spent three and a half years putting his own ego and agenda ahead of the structures and forms of the American Republic. He has sought to silence the free press. He has sought to bypass Congress and legislate with executive decree, which he again threatened to do on Sunday. He has sought to bypass congressional oversight by not cooperating with congressional investigations. And now he has hinted that he might violate the most sacred trust to obey the will of the electorate and peacefully transition power if voted out of office. If that happens, then the American experiment is truly over. The social contract will be destroyed. The Constitution rendered meaningless. A republic requires vigilance. Vigilance from society to guard against those who would violate the social contract for their own gain, as well as vigilance from our leaders to ensure that no one person destroys the illusions or the shared delusions of checks and balances for their own gain. At stake in the November presidential election is the very existence of the republic in the form we have known. It is likely already irrevocably altered. The precedent of a stronger imperial presidency has been set in the last three and a half years. And to be fair, Trump wasn't the first to set that precedent. He simply expanded upon what Teddy Roosevelt, FDR, Bush, and Obama set in motion. But he is the first to blatantly disregard obeying the forms and the shared delusions of the checks and balances of the presidential power and outright attempt to shatter those controls and the social contract that binds him. 
four more years of Donald Trump attacking the structures, the checks and balances of the power of the president will likely destroy any vestiges of constitutional government. Oh, it'll still exist. But what emerges on the other side will not even be paying lip service to that document. It will be an interpretation that is non-recognizable to the government that we had in this country for a very long time. However, a loss by Trump and a refusal to accept that result and peacefully leave office will create a crisis we have never faced. How will Congress react? How will the governors react? Will they follow President Trump? Or would they follow the president-elect when we have dueling presidents? Would we have like a, uh, when there was dueling popes in the Middle Ages? What will happen? What will the military do? Who will the military side with? Will the Constitution and our form of federal government even survive such an event? It definitely can't survive it without being altered. The country as it was would be left behind. And that's why it's so important that he answered that question, yes, and not that I have to wait and see if I will obey the results of a legal election if I agree with the results. He has to answer yes. Every president must leave office willingly if voted out, whether they agree with it, believe in it, or not, because there's more at stake than their own ego. There's a lot at stake in November. It's bigger than the economy. It's bigger than foreign policy. It's bigger than budget issues. It's bigger than tax rates. It's bigger than health care, prison, police reform. It's bigger than just about any agenda you can throw out there. It's bigger than any election we've ever faced. At stake in this election is the preservation of a shared delusion of a binding social contract at the center of our society. At stake in November, the question you ask when you head to the polls is... Do you trust Donald Trump to leave the Constitution and the binding sinews of this great American republic intact? If you trust him and you vote for him, then I cannot fault you because you're saying I trust this man to uphold the republic. Or maybe you vote for him because you think our form of government uh, needs to be shaken up and fixed. And the only way to fix it is to destroy those binding sinews of the old form of government so that we can come out with something better but very, very much at stake in November is if the government of the United States as we have known it emerges intact. And I'll leave you with this thought. How many in Rome truly realized that the Roman Republic had fallen when Augustus emerged triumphant? This has been a quick rant, a raving lunatic media production. If you like this podcast, please consider leaving it a five-star review. If you hate this podcast or you hate this, you can leave comments at our website at ravinglunaticmedia.com and tell me how much of an idiot I am or a bleeding heart progressive or liberal or that Hillary would have done worse. I don't know. Uh, but as always, I thank you for listening.